Hello, and welcome back to Tap Off the Mark. I'm Aiden Stepsis. Uh, today, I'll be reading, I'll re be recapping the first half of the Super Rugby Pacific season, and then I'll be talking a bit about the role injuries play in the sport and how they're handled, you know, from top to bottom. Um, so let's get into it. Um, so it's been a really interesting start to the season for Super Rugby Pacific. I think a lot of people assumed it would be the status quo of, you know, New Zealand teams on top with one or two Australian sides contending, but the rest, you know, from the bottom. And then, um, you know, not much, you know, competition from the, the Fijian sides. Um, but that's really not been the case. You know, while the Fijian Drua and Moana Pacifica both find themselves, you know, 11 and 12 bottom of the standings, it, they've clearly been, you know, belong. They've been building nicely. You know, there's not much of a, not much of a, you know, I'll say there's a talent gap, um, but, you know, they clearly know what they're doing and, you know, how to play the sport at this level. And it's really nice to see, you know, it, it, it kind of shows that they're providing a template for other island nations, um, you know, how to, you know, build and succeed in the you know, international rugby world, because this can only help, you know, the Fijian national team come international season. Um, you know, I, I liken this a lot to what Argentina did when they joined the, um, the uh, rugby championship, you know, along with the, you know, when it was the Tri-Nations, you had these, you know, powerhouses. You had New Zealand, South Africa, and Australia, and then you had Argentina. And, you know, they knew they're, they're going to be in for a rough couple of years, um, you know, not winning much, but playing against this level of competition could only help them in the long run. And we've seen that. And now Argentina, you know, they'll win a game against, you know, in Ireland or New Zealand or, or whoever, you know, South Africa and Australia. Um, and I think, you know, Fiji saw that and thought, okay, well, maybe we can't join up in the rugby championship, but, oh, look, Super Rugby Pacific, that's something that we can, you know, be a part of, and that's how we can help grow, you know, the talent and the skill in, in our nation for the, for the sport. And, you know, it's working, and it's, it's really exciting to see. And I think, you know, other island nations, you know, in the Pacific – can you know look at this and think oh why don't we join up you know a, a country like samoa or tonga they have like the support they have the internal support um for the sport but it's just about putting it all together and you know you know, just playing games repetition repetition breed success um and i think you know samoa and tonga need to have a long hard look um and try and work their way into this championship because if they do uh, I think there could be a lot more of competition at the higher highest level of international rugby, which could only be a good thing. You know, you, you don't want to see the same teams winning over and over again. Um, so I think I think that's you know a really good thing that Fiji has done, or the Fijian sides have done. And you see that you've seen them win, and you've seen them lose some close games, specifically the Fijian Drua. Um, so it's certainly not like they're out of their league or out of their depth. Um, it's just about you know. Some sides are more seasoned, have played together longer. But I think if this competition with these teams, you know, continue for the next few years, you're going to see these Fijian sides really move up the standings uh, and compete and contend. Uh, and that's really nice to see. Um, another, you know, kind of, I won't say shock, but surprise um, to start off the first half of the season is, you know, we're, we're what now? We're seven rounds in, we're eight rounds in, and you're seeing these Australian sides, the Brumbies and the Reds, they're at the top of the table. Um, you know, granted, they've only played 
Australian sides, whereas New Zealand teams have only played New Zealand sides. Um, but it looks good. Like the, the product on the field looks really good, specifically from the Reds. Um, you know, they beat the Brumbies 21-7 and I think a pretty, you know, convincing fashion. It wasn't much of a, you know, question pretty quickly on in the second half. Um, and I think the Reds, you know, they're probably the best shot Australia has at, um, you know, winning this competition. You know, and it's, again, like going back to the international s- scope, it can only be good for the Wallabies. You know, they're building depth. You know, a lot of youth is coming in, but they're getting, you know, good experience, good minutes against high-level international opponents. Um, and that can only be good for Dave Rennie uh, and what he's trying to build uh, in Australia. Um, but then again, the question is, you know, they're doing great now, but it's really just, it's, it's, it's um, secluded to they've been playing their own their own sides. How do the Australian teams fare against New Zealand sides? Um, you know, the cynical part of me wants to say like, hey, it's, you know, it's it's par for the course. You know, they'll do well against each other, and then they'll line up against the you know the razor blade of New Zealand, and they will you know fold you know as as they've been known to do. But you know, something just feels different about about this one. Um, it, it just feels like the Brumbies and the Reds specifically they have the skill, the talent, and the belief and the form to beat these, you know, sides like the Crusaders, the Blues, the Chiefs. Um, and I'm very interested to see, you know, how it, you know, how it shakes out. You know, you're going to see in the next coming weeks, you're going to see these teams play each other. Um, you know, we have Chiefs, the Waratahs, um, you know, the Hurricanes and the Reds. You know, towards the end of the year, we will have that, you know, Reds, Chiefs, you know, you know, Reds Highlanders. I'm really curious to see um, how they fare against the top New Zealand sides. And, you know, I'm hoping that it'll be, you know, a good competition. It won't just be, you know, a track meet like we've we've been known to see. Um, and then just covering, you know, the the Kiwi sides, it, it really does seem like, and this has been the case for, I'd say, about a year and a half, two years now, um, since – Ian Foster took over as, as head coach. Um, it seems like a new wave of talent is replacing the old guard. Um, you have young, you know, young guys like Will Jordan, um, a guy that I'm really high on, the Hurricanes, Duplessis, Karifi. You know, you know, long ago were the days of Kieran Reed. You know, Sam Whitelock is nearing the end of his tenure. Um, Brody Vitalik is as well. So, you know, you're really seeing them with high level minutes. Um, in these games and you're saying like, yeah, like, you know, Richie McCall's not there anymore, but Artie Sevea is and Artie Sevea is an incredible player. Um, and it, it bodes well for the future of New Zealand, but it just kind of feels different this time. You know, I liken it a lot to uh, New England Patriots where they had these legends for, for decades, for years, and they were just, they just unbeatable. They were the top of the sport. Um, but, you know, slowly and, and surely those legends left, tired, you know, got hurt, whatever. And a new wave of talent comes in and they're talented, but they're just not there yet. Um, and that really just seemed like what New Zealand uh, is right now. Um, but again, the same fact remains true for the New Zealand sides as it did for the Australian sides. You know, this playing games of repetitions can only breed success. It can only, you know, help them in the long run um and it's still like you say maybe they're in a down few years by new zealand standards their standards are still top 
and their level of skill is noticeable and a cut above what you see from the Australian sides and Fijian sides. And it's not even, you know, size or speed. It's just like that, that rugby IQ is just kind of at a different level with New Zealand. And you just see that extra pass, that extra cut, that extra play that you don't often see anywhere else. Um, which is why, you know, I, I say all this about New Zealand, but fully fine. Um, so, you know, again, like we'll see how they fare against the Australian sides. Um, it'll be a good competition and a good, you know, test for for both uh, for both nations and both teams of each nation. Um, yeah, and then, you know, something I was noticing and I want to just talk about for, for a minute or so is like, you've been seeing a serious uptick in the coverage of the sport of rugby, not just Super Rugby Pacific, but you know, you have the premiership in England or in, uh, in, in the UK. Um, and even, you know, MLR, you're seeing a lot of coverage on whether on, you know, Fox's, you know, platform, or you'll see on social media through, you know, the rugby pass. And it's really, really good. You know, we're really happy to see it because it can only be good for the growth of the sport. You know, the more you see it on social media, you see it on TV, you know, the better chances someone says, oh, hey, look at that. I want to play that. Like, that's pretty cool. Um, and it's really you're refreshing to see that, you know, it's not just the typical, you know, like American sports or soccer you're seeing, but it's, um, you know, it's rugby, which is a sport. Like, I've never I've yet to met a person, to meet a person who's watched it or played it and not just instantly fall in love with the game. Um, so, you know, my, my question is just, like, how soon do we see results? You know, do we see you know, more, more people, you know, getting involved in the sport, whether it's by viewership or by, you know, playing. Um, but, you know, I, I would say like, keep up the coverage because it's, it's going to help the sport in more ways than one for a for a long, long time. So I'm really happy to see that. Um, shifting gears now, I, I just want to talk a bit about, you know, injuries in the world of, of rugby and how they're handled and, you know, what happens, you know, with a, with a serious injury, specifically head injuries. Um, and it came up because, you know, I recently, I was playing in a sevens match um, uh, about two weekends ago. Yeah. Two, two Saturdays ago. And um, I got knocked out, you know, and I, I was, it was just a simple play where I got, I got the ball, I'm running, I was trying to angle outside and I felt, you know, someone coming. So I kind of braced for, for contact and I just dipped my shoulder getting ready for it. Um, and then, that's all I remember because then bam, you know, I get hit and all those cliches with, you know, the bells were ringing. I was seeing stars. It was, it was, you know, it was a good solid hit. Um, and it just got me thinking like, I'm, I'm you know, injuries are unavoidable, especially in, in a, such a physical um, combative sport like rugby. Um, but can some be prevented? You know, like obviously you can prevent muscular injuries with stretching uh, you know, with tape, maybe you prevent a rolled ankle with, you know, a good tape job. Um, but there's not too much you can do to prevent, you know, head injury. You can do some neck workouts. Um, but if you get hit properly, you know, you get hit properly. Um, and, you know, someone raised the question, like, do you mandate scrum caps um, in the sport? And, you know, well, I think there's some merit to that, especially, you know, they help with, you know, cauliflower, with your ears, um, and they can maybe soften the blow of a, of, a, of a head knock. I still think if you get hit, you know, the right way, like I got hit right in the side of the ear, 
and it, that was it. You know, so I still think if something like that happens, you're still going to get, you know, head injury. You're still going to have that, you know, rattle around a bit. Um, and so, you know, I think it still should be a choice. Um, but I think, I think it should be a choice, especially at the upper levels, I'd say high school and above. But I do, I think that it would be wise to advocate for, you know, mandating at the you know, lower levels, you know, at the, the youth levels when you're just learning the sport. I don't see any harm in, you know, making these kids, um, you, you know, forcing them to wear these scrum caps to start the, you know, their introduction of the sport. Because then, you know, naturally more people are going to wear them just because they're used to them. They can help. Um, but, you know, like I said, like, if you get hit the right way, you're going to get hit the right way. There's not much you can do about it. Um, but I, I do think, and I noticed this once I came to, you know, every level of the sport is very good about monitoring and being careful around head injuries. Um, you know, when I eventually I, I came to, the trainer was right over me. Um you know, asking me questions, this, that, being very, you know, you know, tentative. Um, and I remember I was, he was asking me questions and I'm answering them and probably answering them too fast. And he's like, buddy, like, you're not going back in, you know that, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know that. And, you know, part of me was a little disappointed because it was a big game where, you know, we're have a shot for the tournament uh, championship here. But then I was like, yeah, like, you are knocked out. You should not be playing. Um, and it was very, you know, looking back on it a few days later, I was like, yeah, I was that was pretty good of him to just be like, you have no shot of going back in here. Don't even try it. Um, and, you know, it got me thinking. Like, I remember watching um, this clip of uh, – it was the England and Italy U20 match for the Six Nations. The U- under, uh, I believe it was – yeah, I believe it was England-Italy. Um, and it was towards the end of the match, and this England player went up and just, you know, got hit in the head a little bit, and he got up. wasn't necessarily shaky, but, you know, it was clear he got, you know, contact to the head or neck. Um, and the ref stopped play, and the ref was adamant that that player needed to be sent off for an HIA, which um, there was some backlash. You know, the the I think it was the water – no, maybe it was their own trainer. I think it was England's own trainer. He was like, no, no, he's fine. He does not need to go in. Um, he does not need to go in for, for an HIA. And the ref was you – no, know, she was adamant, like, no, he is. Like, I will not start this game again until he is in the shed getting checked out. Um, and – you know, she she stood her ground even with like people in her face saying like it's not necessary. And I thought that was a really you know brave and wise thing to do because you know England was down at the time. They clearly wanted to keep in this you know impact player so they could win. Um, but you know this referee, this official realized or understood, uh, you know a game is not worth your health. Um, you know one play, a few minutes is not worth your health, and you know. She, she, you know, got her wish and that player was sent off. Um, and, you know, I think the rugby world as a whole kind of like applauded this woman for, you know, doing the right thing in the face of a lot of scrutiny. And um, and it just kind of made me think like from top to bottom, whether it's youth, the youth level, or if it's, you know, the top of the sport, you know, if it's New Zealand and South Africa, um, head injuries and in, are not to be joked about and they are taken very very seriously um and it's something that other sports can really you know take our example of um and it just kind of you know rolls back into that idea of like you know respect is such a predominant value in the sport 
And something that we kind of forget is, you know, it's so easy to remember respect for your opponent, respect for your teammates, respect for your referees, the fans, this, that. Um, but respect for yourself as well. Like in the moment, yeah, you want to play, but 15, 20 years down the line, you want to be able to like know your own name. You want to be able to, you know, walk properly without pain. Um, and, you know, it's it just, it just got me thinking, you know, like the way rugby handles injuries um, and serious, potentially serious injuries is just like, it, it's done the right way. Um, and it's, it's nice to see. Um, yeah, so that's just like it's something I was I was thinking about, um, and just wanted to you know chat about a bit. Uh, but you know that that kind of covers it. So yeah, that will conclude this episode of Tap Off the Mark. Be sure to follow um, the handle on Twitter as well as checking out the blog. They're both of the same name. Um, thanks for tuning in.